when I told my mom her immediate reaction, you know, she took a breath and she said, um, you know what will make you happy. And I want to support, I'm going to cry because <laughs> I remember that she said, um, I want you to be happy and I'll support you. You're listening to the Working Progress Podcast, and we are your hosts, Dana and Angela. We believe your work and career should evolve with you, and it is therefore always a work in progress. In this podcast, you will hear stories of people who turn their careers from something that no longer serves them into something that complement who they are and their life goals. The way I like to think about it is that their careers are growing and stretching just like they are. Our goal is to inspire you to get out there and to make the changes you want for yourself and your future self. Let's get started. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Work in Progress podcast. So today we're really excited to be talking to Vanessa. Um, Vanessa used to be in law and now she switched to teaching yoga. Welcome, Vanessa, to our podcast. It's really, really nice to have you here. So tell me, why yoga? <laughs> First of all, thank you so much for having me here. I appreciate the invitation. Recently, I started being more vocal about my career change. Uh, before, I used to hide that, you know, uh, because I thought it would come across as like I failed, right, as something. But I realized that a lot of my friends could relate to my story and even be, they were inspired by my, you know, by my bold move. And even some close friends of mine decided to change careers and pursue their passion because of my story, because they saw, you know, I was happy and um, I left something that was stable, you know, um, to, to pursue what I wanted. So backtrack a little bit, how yoga <laughs> came up into my life. So I, I was born in Brazil, um, born and raised, and I went to law school in Brazil. So I was in the law field for a, a, about seven years. I did everything in law. I, I worked for NGOs. I worked for the government. I worked um, for law firms. My last job was actually, I was a clerk for a judge. And my goal was to be a judge. So I was studying to be a judge. And usually in Brazil, what you do is you clerk for one, you know, for a couple of years. And then uh, you get experience and then you you start, you know, taking the tests. However, when I did start working for the judge, I realized that's not what I wanted. <laughs> um, and so I got a little confused because, you know, all my life I studied so hard for that goal. And when I was there, you know, um, I was successful in the exterior. Uh, externally, I, you know, I had a, a stable job that paid me so so well and all that status as well I guess um but I inside I was not fulfilled and I was so confused because you know we we're thought to work hard and pursue that kind of thing and me coming from an, an Asian family right my my the the side of my mom is Japanese so they're very strict as you guys can relate <laughs> like you have to do law or engineering or medicine Something that will give you stability, you know, and a uh, good future, they say. Um, anyways, I, I did everything by the book. I got there. I was I was young and successful. However, I wasn't feeling happy. I wasn't feeling fulfilled. So I knew something 
was wrong, but I, I just felt lost. So that's when in 2014, I came to the U.S. to visit my, my half-siblings that live here. And I told my sister, I said, look, I don't understand. I, I, I'm, I'm depressed. I don't see myself in, in law anymore, uh, not even for five years, let alone for the rest of my life as I was planning to be a judge, right? And, and she said, she simply said, well, why don't you just move here then start over? You can literally be anything you want. <laughs> and then I just left because I was like, you that's not how life works you know I have a career like I can't just quit like that and like start over um yeah so anyways I, I went back home but whatever she told me like kept bugging me in a sense of like why can't I you know why can't I start over so I took a chance and so I moved to the U.S. in 2015 and then uh once I was here I was really pursuing whatever would make me happy. So one of my interests was interior design. So I signed up for UCLA program for interior design. And I did their program and started working for a corporate job, um, kind of like an interior design field because it was a furniture, <laughs> furniture retailer. But I realized that I was kind of doing it all over again, like going the corporate ladder, you know, uh, I was an account manager. And then I also realized that I, I was kind of doing what I didn't want to do, which is catering for the wealth, if that makes sense. I feel more fulfilled when I see my work is meaningful in a way that I'm like actually helping people. So during that time, I, I got confused again because I was like, well, I really like interior design, but still I'm not feeling fulfilled. So that's when I... Uh, I've heard, you know, I was struggling with my mental health because I was like, wow, I moved countries and I'm still, you know, not there. I, I don't see like my path yet. So I've, I've heard that yoga really, really helps with mental health. Right. So I started doing yoga, you know, as a way to support my own mental health and my physical health. And I got hooked. I, I loved, you know, <laughs> I loved doing it. It was the only thing that was like keeping me centered and, and so that, in that sense, I decided to sign up for the yoga teacher training. I did the teacher training, which was transformational in so many levels for me. Uh, but not only that, I really, I really found my passion. I remember the first time I taught a yoga class, I knew that was it. You know, I felt something that I've never felt in any other thing I, I've did before. Um, I think because yoga is uh, differently from law, like yoga, you can see right away the benefits that, you know, like how you're helping your students and you can see it's so rewarding, you know, to help someone with their mental health and um, physical health and all that. So in law, sometimes you're like working for justice for a case that you might not even see in this life. You know, it might take 10 years to, to see something. Uh, yeah, that's how yoga came into my life. Can you tell us about the yoga you teach? What kind of yoga is, is there like a s school of yoga or a type of yoga primarily or? Yeah. So, um, mainly I do vinyasa yoga, which is a, a style of yoga that is more, a little more fast paced is more for strengthening body strengthening. But I, I, I do love teaching, you know, um, other types of yoga, like restorative, 
I'm doing a certification right now for Yoga Nidra. Yoga Nidra is very different because it doesn't involve any movement at all. Pretty much you're laying down, the students laying down with their eyes closed all the time. And we guide them like with meditation and visualization so that they can access this tidal waves in the brain. And it's kind of like a hypnosis state where we can um, kind of rewire the, the thought patterns in the brain. And uh, in that sense, we can heal people, you know, uh, suffering with uh, PTSD, anxiety. Uh, yeah, people that are struggling with their mental health. So I think it's really rewarding. I love Yoga Nidra as a student, you know, and I love, I love guiding people through that practice as well. You mentioned that you've always wanted to be a judge or and you've always been interested in working the law. Um, can you tell us why you were so drawn to law when you were younger? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, something that I found about myself is like I'm very uh, keen about like justice and, you know, like seeking justice. So that's why I was drawn to law. Um Because in my head, I was like, that's the way I'm going to make the most impact in that sense. And that's why I wanted to be a judge, because I thought that was the best way to do justice. However, when I did, when I did work for the court for a while, I realized how very conservative it is. And in some ways, it's like even like corrupt in that sense. So it kind of like shattered my, you know, my views. And I, I guess I was naive uh in that sense so i realized that if i wanted to um you know hold those values i could still hold those values but not necessarily inside the system you know i could still do advocacy outside which is what i've been doing you know wow and what was your family's reaction when you let them know that you know i've been a very successful lawyer for seven years but i don't want to do this anymore Yeah, so it's so interesting because I made the decision, right? I made a decision that I was going to quit and I made a decision that I was going to move to the United States. And then I just the had to, <laughs> yeah, kind of, yeah. So I just, had, I, I just had to like, you know, tell my mom what I was doing. Cause, um, so I, I kind of like had to practice. I, I was so nervous to tell her because uh. I, For sure thought you know being a Japanese mom I for sure thought she was going to try to convince me otherwise she was going to say like no you're crazy or or this and that and so I was like having all the arguments in the back of my head you know like I practiced so much to have this conversation <laughs> with her <laughs> I was so nervous so in my head but which uh but su surprisingly actually when I told my mom her immediate reaction you know she took a breath And she said, um, you know, uh, you know what will make you happy. And I wasn't support. I'm going to cry because <laughs> I remember. Oh, God. Yeah, she said, um, I want you to be happy and I'll support you. You know. Oh. So, <laughs> so, yeah. And, um, and yeah, so it was way easier than I thought. And um, so, but it was funny because you know, when I was about to move, she then, and, and I, I thought it was funny because I was like, wow, my mom is not even sad that I'm moving countries, you know, that, <laughs> that Japanese cold blood, you know. <laughs> um, but then when I was about to move, she actually opened up to me and she said that she felt, you know, sad that we were going to be apart, but she didn't want me to change my mind because of her mm -hmm. reaction. So mm -hmm. She just like, 
you know, uh, swallow everything to her. She didn't want me to feel Aww. her scent. So, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I feel I'm going to cry, too. <laughs> that's, um, yeah, that's, uh, it must be a very, very hard decision coming from a mom. So it's, but I can tell that there's so much love that she has for you, that she wants you to, you know, be happy with what you're doing with your life. And um, so what was it like coming to America? Like, what was there any, was there any shock? Well, there must have been some funny stories. Yes, for sure. Definitely. I felt a culture shock, uh, you know, coming from Brazil, uh, Brazilian culture is very warm. Um, it's, I don't know how to explain it. In Brazil, it's, you're kind of like friends immediately with everyone. So let's say, let's say you start a new job, right? Everyone will like welcome you and be like, Hey, we're doing a barbecue this weekend. Like come over, you know, come hang out, whatever. It's very like casual. It's a very casual culture. You kiss, you hug everyone, you know, even people that you've never met before you kiss and you hug, like, let's say it's a friends of a friends that you're meeting, you still kiss and hug that person. It's just like very warm like that. So when I moved here, I realized nobody touches each other. And, uh, and also like in, in a work environment, it's very, uh, yeah, it's very professional in that sense that overall, what I felt in my experience is, you know, it's more cold in that sense and i even had an episode it was funny because um because in brazil even your bosses let's say like here i realized like people are more formal like they call from like last name or you know in brazil like you call even your boss like by their nicknames and, and it's, it's like you know it's like family i don't know i don't know how to explain even when i used to work for the judge you know the judge would bring us to his house and I, it was a birth, it was like one month in my, my corporate job and one of our managers, uh, it was one of our manager's birthday. So we sang a happy, happy birthday to him. And then after that, I came like, so like happy to hug him and, you know, and I gave him a hug and I realized that he froze. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm not used to that. <laughs> That's not appropriate in, in the United States. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I realized that was, um, yeah, so I had to like understand the cultural difference because this can come across as like weird here. Uh, and it's so funny because I, I kind of adapted, right, to, to it after a while uh, living here. And uh, when I went back to Brazil to visit my friends, I remember I went to one of my best friends' uh, law firm to, mm-hmm. to say hi and to, to meet all her coworkers. So I, I, I got there to the law firm and I was I was saying hi to everyone shaking hands you know by a far like hi I'm Vanessa how are you or haven't seen you (laughs) to everyone I was just shaking hands and then my my after like a couple times like that my friend pulls me aside she's like what are you doing did you forget that we kiss (laughs) are you American (laughs) American what's going on oh you're right (laughs) I can kiss people here That is adorable. I, I, yeah, That's I've cute. never been to Brazil for sure, but yeah, it sounds like people are super friendly and definitely a little bit different than here. Even in the West Coast, I, yeah, I, I think definitely people don't um, hug or kiss unless they know each other. Yeah. 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 And so, so how do you feel when you go visit Japan then? It's even <laughs> more, it's like on the other end of the spectrum then, even more conservative than America. Yes, totally. It's so funny because, like, I'm right. I'm 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 Brazilian, but I also grew up in a Japanese household. But still, uh, I get like my mom is very warm, you know, for a Japanese Mm -hmm. lady. (laughs) Very warm. I guess she adapted. Uh, 
but it's so funny because we went to Japan uh, five years, I think five or six years ago. Um, I took my mom to Japan and we stayed with family there. And it was so funny because like, we wanted to hug our family and they don't hug. Japanese don't hug. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was so interesting because like I, we, we stayed there for a whole month. And then by the end of the trip, you know, we had a great time. And when we were about to leave, I went to, like to hug them. And even then they didn't hug. And I, it was so weird. Oh. I, my mom was like, no, it's like that. <laughs> like They will never hug. Don't worry. Yeah. They probably just nod at each other. I feel like yeah. that's uh, how, how they um, say. Yeah. They get, they get weirded out. You know, it's so funny. Uh-huh. Cause actually, so my grandma lived in Brazil for, well, uh, 50 years more than 50 years wow okay uh so i remember when i was a when i was like a teenager i went to a youth seminar um and they used to say you know we are in brazil now this youth seminar was mostly for like asian families so they were saying how you know asian families don't don't show affection in that sense however our families have been in Brazil for over five decades. So they have to adapt as well to the culture, right? <laughs> and then they were saying like, when you go home, go and hug your grandparents. And then I was like, oh my God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And then I got home. <laughs> I took the challenge. I got home and I, I saw my grandma and I, I went and gave her a hug. And she, of course, she froze. Like she didn't understand what was happening. I was like, okay, that, that was not a good idea. And then the next day, though, I got there, you know, I wasn't going to do anything. And she looked at me, she opened her arms, and she came to me to hug. And from that day on, she always wants to hug. You know, it's like a break. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I see. So in 2015, you moved to America and you started you, you you got into a program at UCLA in interior design and tell us about what was that experience like after that you went work at a company and what, what, what was that what was that period of your life like you know I I actually loved it for the first time I was really really having fun with you know some like new subjects that I was learning I I I went really well. I even like got recognized, you know, by the teachers, like with like scholarships and stuff. I guess I was having so much fun for the first time, like learning something. Because <laughs> law, it's, it's well, speaking for myself, it's not that fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, I wanted to comment. I was like, wow, it's like almost from like being not trying to be creative to like yeah. always to the <laughs> other end of you know you do exactly. whatever you want to be creative. It's very different. That's true. Yeah. yeah. I realized I'm very creative, I guess. And, and then I was mm. feeling good in the law field in that sense. So, yeah, I, I worked for a corporate environment and it was really nice for my growth as a you know professional because when I, when I moved here, actually, my English was not that good. So I, I had to work really hard to, to be fluent in English and to have the confidence, you know, to have a conversation in a work environment. So... That helped me a lot. Did you have to, did you like plan to have a a career in design at that time? Even, you know, since you were doing so well and you were having a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Yes. I definitely wanted to start my own practice and do that. But then I realized that again, like, well, that's not it because then I'm like, kind of like just catering for the wealth again. I don't see like 
how meaningful this can be. I started I started researching like how design can work, uh, like to help in uh, sustainable housing and stuff like that. And I'm definitely still interested in that. But yeah, but then yoga showed up in my life, and then everything ends, you know. Why is this important? I'm saying that you place a lot of emphasis on, um, like being able to help others or help the community. Um, why do you think that is? Why is that important to you? I think that's like one of my main values is like to you know to empower people to yeah to help them with their health, mental. Health. Well, this became a a purpose after, but. If I if I look if I look back everything I've done since the times of law like my first interest in law for example and my first job was for the Human Rights Commission so you know I really like that because I was really involved with making a difference that makes sense like we it wasn't it wasn't easy because um, at a very young age I was exposed to things that kind of shake me I was exposed to things that I wasn't even aware were happening around us which is like slavery slavery is still current people think we eliminated completely we still have slavery going on and we have human trafficking going on like a lot we have you know like political asylum and all that so I got to work with that directly and uh that's kind that's very rewarding uh yeah but but like if you see everything I did was always to to aid in that sense so I guess that's how I that's how I, I loved yoga so much because in a sense I could see right away, you know, the impact that I was doing. And when you finally settled on, you know, pursuing yoga as a career, then at that point, did you have any hard time letting your coworkers know and letting your other friends know that I'm going to pursue this, which I don't have any experience in right now, but I know I can do it. Were people nervous? And did anyone try to talk you out of it? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is because, um, to be honest, like since I was in Brazil, I always thought yoga was fascinating. But with my limited mindset, I thought, well, but you can't really have a career with yoga. You know, like it's just like something for hobby. Um, that's what I thought. But um, so when I was in that point in my life in the corporate in the corporate um, career and I was still feeling kind of lost, I hired, a, I hired a life coach. What she worked with me is uh, mainly... First of all, finding your underlying values. What that means is every every single one of us has like a, how can I say, like a soul print. We have our underlying values. And even if you if your career change, if your purpose change, like, you know, like you said, our interests change throughout our whole life. However, if you are aligned with those values, you will feel fulfilled. It doesn't matter what you do, as long as it's aligned with those values. So once I was able to find out my values, then, then I could like be free to, to find what I wanted. So that's when yoga came back to my, to my head. And I discussed this to her with her. And I said, well, I would love, you know, cause she, she really asked me like, what do you want? What do you want? What do you really, really want? And I said, well, I would love to, you know, have a career something like with healing, um, yoga. I would love to work with yoga. And she, and she said, why can't you? I said, because you can't make, you can't make money with that, you know? And she said, that's, that's the limited mindset. Who says you can't? 
So we really worked on that, on like limiting beliefs and 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 everything. So yeah, once I understood that, I I saw that there there's really no limit. It's ourselves that we put we put the limit for ourselves. We're definitely noticing that a lot of the people that we talk to have hired or worked with some kind of a life coach or career coach at some point. Could you share your experience? This is something that I've never done myself. And I'm definitely seeing a lot of people are like doing it. And there are a lot of people, you know, um, that, that are career or life coaches that are out there and available to like work with people that are interested. I just don't know if, you know, like were, was there a particular event that kind of triggered your um, desire to actually find someone to help you? I think a lot of times we're kind of used to just like figure it out in our head or we talk to our friends and family, but what, um, what kind of triggered you to actually look for a coach that, you know, officially and more uh, formally work with you? I've always, uh, been interested in, in, in reading a lot about that, but I feel like for certain stuff, like it's not enough. We need some guidance, you know, some exterior guidance and, um, I, I I didn't only have one coach. In fact, I had a couple of life coaches in my life, and I really, really recommend uh, working with a life coach. And um, this this last life coach that I work with, I it's so funny because she, when I hired her, I thought like she's gonna show me what I have to do, right? She's gonna tell me the answer, and it's actually completely opposite because the answer is within us. She. It, no, no coach can tell you what you have to do. You, you know, like deep down, you know, but it should just helps bring to the light. If that makes sense. Uh, yeah. So I worked with her and, uh, I just want to share this cause it's really interesting, but one of the, uh, one of the exercises that she does is, uh, she, after realizing your, you know, your values and stuff, she, she does like a guided meditation that puts you kind of like into a trance and you to meet your future self so she so you're you're seeing your future self like from five years for na- from now and you're going to interview your future self so let and, and of course your future self is living uh her ideal life her dream life so you as you right now your presence you are going to is going to interview right so <laughs> I saw my future self. First of all, you could like you can meet your future self anywhere, and I actually saw my future self in her house, like a beautiful house. Um, and my coach said, "Pay attention to every detail. Every detail is even like the color. Like, pay attention to everything you see because those will be the insights to what you really, really want." You know, and I, I thought it was like too woo woo in the beginning, you know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I saw myself and, um, she, you know, first of all, I realized that I was like, it was a Wednesday and I wasn't in a corporate job. I was like at home, you know, but, and I asked, the first thing I asked my future self was like, what are you doing here? Like it's Wednesday to be at work, you know, it should be working. And my future self just laughed. I was like, I, I work. I just don't have like a, I have a flexible schedule. <laughs> And uh, she was wearing active wear. She was she was wearing yoga clothes. She was like cooking healthy recipes, and uh, she was like organizing her next work agenda, like trip, trip, travel trip stuff like that. So when I saw all that, and of course there's so much more I saw, but when I saw that all that, I didn't understand what I saw what I saw (laughs) in the in the first place. But then you know the more uh, exercise that we did, like eventually everything made sense it kind of like came together 
like a breakthrough realization kind of thing. So when I, from that moment, from that breakthrough, then I had no doubt that I could pursue that. I had no like limited mindset anymore. I said like, I literally can do anything. So, so it, from that point on, I was not afraid anymore. And that's why I, I was able to see success in such a short amount of time, because I've been a yoga teacher for about a year and I already know. I, I have already private students and everything. So, and even like recently someone asked me like, how, how come can you like already have private students? Cause like we are taught that like, Oh, you need to be like so experienced to, to be able to do that. But really, you know, like people will like you because they like you. And, and if they see the benefit in working with you, they they'll come to you and they'll come back to you and like give you referrals. Right. Are you saying that your breakthrough was the, like your kind of like your conversation with your future self. And that's when you realize that that's what you want to do or the whole coaching experience was the breakthrough. Yeah. I guess that the whole coaching experience was really important for me to like understand what were my limiting beliefs were. It's funny because she really put my, my coach is like, she says it's tough love. Right. Uh, I remember one particular conversation that was really intense uh, because I was kind of like uh, divided between pursuing yoga and pers- but I said, oh, I'll, I'll just do the teacher training and I want to do that like kind of like part time on the weekend, but I want to keep my corporate job for safety, right? And she said, she said to me, Vanessa, it's it's all in or nothing. Like if you if you keep it one foot here and one foot there, you're not you're never gonna go. You know, like you're. You, you're gonna stay like, oh, I'm I'm scared. You, you you you're coming from this mindset of like I'm scared. So you're coming from this mindset of lack, and then things are not gonna unfold as fast as if you commit, you know. So, but I I was so scared, and I was not believing her. I was like, no, no, I have to keep my corporate job. I have to, you know, like. Uh, and she was like, okay, let's let's uh, let's um, unpack this. Why do you have to keep your your job i'm not saying people have to quit their jobs but she was just trying to understand where where my mindset was coming from and so she digs so deep dig so deep and at the, at the end of it i was like because i don't want to i don't want to be uh starving and i don't want to be living under a bridge and when i said that out loud i was like whoa that's what my mom used to tell me when i was growing up all the time she used to say no you can't do uh, psychology because you're gonna you're gonna starve because the economy is not good and you're gonna be living on the bridge or I would say I like oh I almost the same thing <laughs> yeah I, I want to study architecture she'd be like nope you're gonna be starving and you're gonna be uh, living under the bridge I, I heard that under the bridge like term like so many times growing up that he really really like got ingrained in me and I had this fear that I would like you know if I didn't if I didn't do it right um I would starve and be under the rich. Like I really believe that. And so when I when she dig deep and I said that out loud, I realized how, you know, it was a, really a limiting belief. And she said, "Okay, do you realize what you just said? This, do you think? Do you really think this will happen?" And I said, "Yeah, no, you're you're right. It's not gonna happen." She's like, "Even even if everything goes bad, you're not. This will not happen. You know, you're safe. Like even if you have to do like a." Um, how do you say uh, minimum wage job for a while while you pursuing yoga, like you're going to be fine. And um, so that was the breakthrough for me. And then from that point on, I really went all in 
and I quit my I quit like I said quit my corporate and I I kept doing other types of part time jobs um, so I could you know uh, support my my main goal which was being a yoga teacher and at that point you already had your um, yoga certificate so I did the coaching and that's when I committed and then I, I started to, I started the teacher training right away oh I see and. So you did the coaching at that time. You were you still had your corporate job, but then soon after that, you realized that that's just a limiting belief, and you just quit that and you moved forward with um, this yoga certificate. Yeah, because I also realized that like my corporate job was like um, was draining a lot of mental energy for me and physical energy, and you know our our energy is limited. If we are if we're spending a lot of our energy in in whatever it is then we won't have enough energy to dedicate to other to other things so i realized that if i kept that corporate job of mine and i was an i was a account manager and my life was like crazy because you're literally 24 7 on your phone and you know your accounts are calling you like accounts that are in the east coast in my case were blowing my phone up like i would wake up already with like so many things to solve. So I realized I wouldn't have any energy to dedicate, right? So I realized I have to keep like part-time jobs that I can, you know, that are easy and and that will leave me with a lot of stamina to put everything into teaching. Tell me a little bit about your yoga instructor certificate. What was that like? It was amazing. First of all, because I, so when I moved here, I didn't have a lot of friends. Um, I couldn't relate to some, to the people that I met here in the first place. And then when I, when I started doing the teacher training, the, you know, my friends from teacher training really became my family and we're so alike in that, in that sense. So it, it gave me, it gave me like a new yeah, a new a new meaning in that sense, and it, the teacher training itself was so transformational for my own life because I learned knowledge that I would never learn otherwise, especially coming from a traditional career. Uh, you know, that helped my own path in life. I, I always say, like, yoga is the best life hack because it will give you the tools to face any challenge in life so even and i'm not saying that you, you should do a teacher training or anything but like yoga really helps and I, I believe that um the sooner you're exposed to yoga the better so for example one of my goals right now is to take a certification to teach yoga for kids and in la there is a there is a studio for for yoga for kids and it's amazing how like those kids you know they they can access this, like be more less reactive and more present. And that helps with everything. It helps with focus in, in, in school. You know, it helps with like anger management. It helps with everything. How long was the teacher training? Uh, so the first teacher training that every teacher goes through is 200 hours. And so 200 hours, it depends, it depends on your school, how they will... Uh, spread those hours there's people that spread those hours for like six months a year mine was like kind of like intensive 
it was, I, I believe, 11 weeks. And then after that, I did many other certifications, like workshops and certifications. And I'm pursuing my, the, so the next step after the 200 hours is the 300 hour teacher training. And then when you have both, you become a 500 hour certified teacher. So I was going to go for my 300 hours, uh, which was going to be in Costa Rica this month, actually, but because of Corona, <laughs> it got postponed to to, last, to next year. How soon after that did you start uh, to teach? And what, what was that the early period like? I literally started teaching right away, right away. <laughs> I started teaching like to friends and friends of friends. And I got invitations, you know, to teach like a mountain bike, mountain biking club, you know, to athletes. And then I started getting like privates. Um, yeah, I wanted to start teaching right away. Cause like I said, I really wanted to get the most experience I can. Uh, and I was doing crazy stuff. Like I was going to like drive so far. Uh, and people are like, why are you driving? I don't know, like two hours and you're barely getting paid, you know? I, I was like I was like pretty much paying to work because like the gas the gas was more than what I was getting, paid, right? I was like, I don't I don't care. Like I right now is like I'm looking for experience. I'm not looking for money right now, right? So that that was my mindset. What what was it like? Did you go out and find studios and then find people to teach or or you, you worked for a studio? Yeah, so that was before that was before uh, quarantine hit. Actually, I was going to teach for this studio close to LAX, which is like about an hour away from my house. Uh, yeah, so I was going to teach there weekly, and uh, and yeah, they were like, "What? It doesn't." Even my roommate said, "It doesn't make any sense. You drive for two hours to teach for an hour and get paid like thirty dollars." You know, I was like, "Yep, I know it doesn't, but I'm do I'm not doing this for the money." And so how have you been, like, I guess, adapting to this whole new normal that we probably, once the studios open up, it's going to be, like, maybe a limited kind of capacity and um, just overall, like, you know, it's quite different than how we are used to, you know, when it came to, like, going to a yoga studio. I feel like I, the ones I've been to, like, you know, usually at any time there's, like, at least 20 to 30 people. Um, how are you adapting to this new normal? when you know the pandemic hit i realized that you know we we have to adapt and uh so i realized how important it is to be in the online space and because so i started teaching uh through zoom you know virtually and in the beginning my mindset was like well i'm really doing this you know like just during the quarantine, I really hope things go back to normal as soon as possible. That was my mindset in the first couple of weeks. And I was kind of sad because I was like, I wasn't able to be there for my students and offer hands-on assists and stuff like that, you know, hold space. But then at the same time, I realized that I was teaching, way, like I was, first of all, I was teaching way more people that way, virtually. And I was teaching people that I wouldn't be able to teach if I was just doing it physically, because I was teaching people from the East Coast, I was teaching people, you know, in Brazil and in, in, in Europe, like friends of mine that were joining in. So I realized the value on that. I was like, wow, I can really reach more people actually virtually. So that's when my mindset shifted. And I realized that I really had to invest in um, being present in the online space. And that way I could 
help even more people. So my goal now is to start putting content uh, for like YouTube and even my platform on, on, on Instagram so that, you know, I can share exercises for people to do, you know, release tension, anxiety, training, whatever people want to learn. Uh, yeah, I realized that's a great tool. So that's where my mind is at now. So you said that you've just been teaching for about a year. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's uh, started sometime in 2019. Yes. And now we're halfway into t- 2020 and half of the year was kind of affected by, by COVID. Um, how do you think you can, um, you know, I guess within like the short time frame, like you said, how do you think you're able to do so well as a teacher? Um, you know, in the beginning, I, I had some friends asking me, like, how are you so confident teaching? Like, you know, like you just graduated. And um, in the beginning, uh, you know, you get you can get self-conscious a little bit. But I what I was shifting my mindset and I always say that to new teachers is this what we're doing right here is not about us it's about them it's about who we're helping so like get out you know we tend to be in our heads like oh my god what if i say something wrong what if i don't do it correctly whatever but once you get out of that mindset and you get into the mindset of like i'm here to help you know and to yeah be there for them so it doesn't matter if you mess up like one word or one side or the other like just be there to serve then once you tap into that then you you know like you get much more confidence that's a very good point and i think um for other entrepreneurs like you know yourself i think sometimes or at least you know i think just like kind of hearing um about you talking about your story and your journey um i am curious to learn about how you what was it like when you first started um trying to you know, come up with like a way to kind of um, charge for your service. I know you mentioned a few times that you started, um, you started teaching right away, but um, some of them were, you know, friends and maybe friends of some friends. And uh, was it difficult at first to kind of like, you know, go from, oh, I can give you a free lesson to um, actually now, you know, because you, you do have to find a way to kind of commercialize um, your service, and then otherwise you are not going to be able to be like sustainable and actually run that as your own business. And was it difficult at first? Um, and how did you kind of go about doing that? Right, great question. Yeah, it, so you're right. Like we, I was teaching a lot for free, and I do a lot of donation based classes. Like even online, I'm doing donation based classes. But uh, when it when it comes to teaching private lessons, you know, when you go to someone's house, uh, we were instructed like uh, our our class was instructed by our, our uh, yoga instructor, our yoga teacher. He said, you know, uh, money is like a it's an energy exchange. Um, so when you're teaching, uh, of course, we can do it for free, but never charge less than this. And then he gave a, a you know like a price point said like don't charge less than this and and then yeah that that was my mindset too i was like this is my price and i know like the people they really need it you know and they'll pay for it and even even i was surprised like even more generous like i would set a point and they'll they'll give me even more than that i think a lot of people do see the value in i guess um you know compensating for some for like a good service and something that they actually see 
benefit in themselves. So, um, or maybe it's age, but I remember when I was younger, I used to think, um, you know, things are expensive, whatever, whatever. But I think now that I'm older, um, health becomes more important to me and I've become more and more willing to pay for, for things that make me feel happier or maybe feel healthier in general. Yeah, totally. Do you have any resources for people who are interested in becoming yoga instructors? Yeah, if you go to um, Yoga Alliance, the website is the where like all the teacher trainings um, are registered. You can go. It's, it's kind of like a, a a resources for a bunch of things, but also like it's kind of like a Yelp. You can see the reviews of all the different teacher trainings because nowadays there's so many there's so many you know companies offering teacher trainings here and there, but that doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to be good. So it's important to research a lot about where you're planning to do. Um, in my case, I didn't want to do a teacher training with like a, like a corporate, you know, coming from like a corporate company, if that makes sense. Uh, so I, I was blessed to find my teacher training and um, it's very, it's, it's, it's interesting because my, my teacher training, so my, my yoga teacher, he, he's like an OG, right? <laughs> he's been doing this. He teaches since he's like 14. He was born in ashram um at the same time yeah so he brings all that tradition and like uh, our our teacher training was heavily um dedicated to like learn philosophy you know it's not like he said like we're not just sprinkling philosophy here like this is heavily philosophy based and that's why like for me it was so transformational so to be exposed to all that knowledge and how that transformed my life and how i see things now um but anyways, uh, but at the same time, that's very traditional. It's also very modern. Um, yeah, in a sense that they're doing everything they can to, yeah, to, to be more uh, exposed in the online space as well. Like they have a, a YouTube now and they were streaming classes during quarantine and doing all that. So I think it's like the perfect balance uh, for both. And I'm going to say the, the name of the studio because I really recommend for people is Yoga Salt in um culver city los angeles they also have a they also have a studio in wilmington north north carolina i will make sure to link that in in the uh, along with the notes um and so if people are interested in reaching out to you they're curious about your classes where can they find you uh yeah they can go to my instagram page uh right now it's uh I don't have anything yoga related in, the, in my in my handle. I should have, but right now it's just my my name is V M, and then my last name Rizendi. Okay, um, not a problem. I can just link that as well. Yeah, I do see that in your website. You have um, posted about your free yoga on Saturday on Zoom, so that's awesome. And we'll definitely make sure we link that for you. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Vanessa. It's been such a pleasure talking to you. Um, I love that how we bonded on, you know, being Asian and just uh, like a lot of the stories you shared. Um, we we can. I, I'm pretty sure we live that as well. So uh, it's been it's been such a nice uh, chat with you. Thank you so much for your time, Vanessa. Well, thank you so much for inviting. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you, and uh, we'll be in touch if we have more questions. Thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye.
You just finished listening to an episode of the Working Progress Podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you share this with someone who can benefit from it and leave us a review on iTunes. Don't forget to let us know what you think or if you have any questions. You can find our contact information in the episode description. Keep doing the good work and I look forward to speaking with you soon.